Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, verses 30 to 34 and 53 to 56. These verses actually bracket the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water to the disciples in the boat as they were headed for Gennesaret. Listen for the word of God. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And then picking up at verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Chenesarad and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> Many of you have seen the recently released documentary about Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. He had been ordained by his presbytery to be an evangelist in the world of television. Though not identified as a prophet, he surely was a prophetic voice on behalf of God's love for every individual. His weekly message to every child was quite simple. Quote, I love you just the way you are, unquote. Every time he appeared on television, he asked all the children watching, please won't you be, please won't you be, won't you please be my neighbor? There were no qualifications, no membership requirements, just an open-ended invitation. So how are today's lectionary passages from Jeremiah and the Gospel of Mark connected? And where does Mr. Rogers fit in? I would suggest that Jeremiah the prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, and Mr. Rogers are all prophetic voices with a message directed at God's purpose in history 
and God's expectation for how human beings are to treat each other. If we accept the analogy of sheep and shepherds, which you see throughout Scripture, and which is prominent in both of the passages that John and I read, and in the 23rd Psalm, also one of today's lectionary passages, we gain some insight into who we are as the sheep of God's pasture. Like sheep and their shepherd, we are dependent on God. We are also interdependent human beings relying on each other. Human shepherds have arisen among us and God expects them to leave not one of the flock behind. Moreover, while God has a special relationship with the covenant people, all people are included in God's flock. Jeremiah enters history more than 600 years before Jesus' birth. He was not a professional religious person. Indeed, God calls him into service when he is, quote, only a boy, unquote. Moreover, and this is very important, God appoints Jeremiah, quote, a prophet to the nations, unquote. Jeremiah is commissioned to speak to all people, regardless of tribal or national boundaries. This was a time of upheaval. The northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered by Assyrians decades before, leaving the southern kingdom of Judah, where Jeremiah lived. Its king was no more than a puppet of the Assyrians. Its worship did not please God, but more significantly, its political and religious leaders did not try to listen for God's word. The result was greed and economic oppression. Jeremiah could hear God's word while most others looked elsewhere for direction. As a result of questioning what others thought to be reality, Jeremiah was shunned by the people, including the townspeople where he lived, and he was imprisoned for periods of time. Now, the word of God was in Jeremiah, and the message was clear. So why were Jeremiah's words rejected? He presented a framework for decision-making that no one wanted to hear. He looked through a lens that valued every individual. He communicated God's anger that the weak and powerless were being left behind. Through Jeremiah, God castigates those who served as the shepherds of God's people. Rather than looking after the welfare of the entire community, they scattered the flock. Furthermore, it is noteworthy that it is God who takes action to redress the situation. Speaking to these shepherds of the people, God says, you have not attended to them, so I will attend to you for your evil doings. Jeremiah 23, verse 2. 
God then makes the Babylonian Empire an agent of his punishment. Judah is conquered and Jerusalem is destroyed in 587 BCE. The people are marched off into exile in Babylon, but there is hope. Through Jeremiah, God promises to raise up a royal branch from the house of David who will execute justice and righteousness in the land. He will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So 600 years later, Jesus enters history to gather the flock together. He is recognized wherever he goes. Wherever Jesus is, that is where healing can be found. That is where feeding and fellowship can be found. He sees through the same lens as Jeremiah. He is the shepherd who cares for those who have no leader, and he turns no one away. Religious leaders receive his condemnation for caring more about traditions than the obvious needs of people. Jesus is the shepherd God desires, one who embraces the other and restores people to the community of the beloved. Now is the time when true worship is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Fred Rogers was, I believe, a prophetic voice for our time. Like Martin Luther King Jr. and other prophetic voices in our modern era, Mr. Rogers conveyed a message of inclusion and respect for diversity. God wants every person to know that they are special regardless of nationality, culture, religion, sexual identity, disability, or worldly condition. Like Jeremiah and Jesus, Fred wanted to gather people together. Jeremiah's anger concerning those leaders who have, quote, scattered the flock, unquote, appears to address those who have favored some people over others. In other words, a leader looks at a period of threat and favors certain tribal groups over others. Alliances are made that further solidify the division of people into tribal factions. At the same time, these divisions lead to desperate demands for uniformity of opinion as to what the truth is. And we must be clear that God does not desire uniformity. There is ample evidence that God has blessed diversity. Recall the story of Babel that I shared with the two young ladies. This allegory goes all the way back to the beginning of human history when God rejects an early desire of the people to build a city where all would speak one language, think the same thoughts, have one common purpose. The story heralds the value of diversity. In his commentary on Babel, Walter Brueggemann describes the city as a fortress mentality. 
a unity grounded in fear and characterized by coercion. God's action in scattering the people of Babel was a positive action to return the people to a path of blessing. It was to counteract the people's desired path to power and independence from God's word. Who we are meant to be are diverse individuals united by a love that excludes no one. Fred Rogers understood the value of diversity. He would say to children, I like you just the way you are. It was a simple message about God's love. He believed that every child was good on the inside, though vulnerable to the effects of the environment in which that child lived. Major environmental influences like violence in the media and messages anywhere that conveyed to a child that he or she was of little or lesser value than others disturbed him greatly. He sought, like Jeremiah and Jesus and Martin Luther King Jr., to gather people together and build them up with the good news of God's love. As many of us marched together yesterday in the Pride Parade, I was reminded that Fred Rogers was initially unsure about homosexuality. He came to understand, however, that God's acceptance and love were not restricted to certain people or categories of people. Loving oneself and loving one's neighbor, which means every other person, were his core principles. Leaving no one behind was a critical corollary. At the time of his funeral, there were protesters who condemned him for his tolerance of homosexuality. This is a reminder that no prophet of God escapes condemnation, even the compassionate Mr. Rogers. It was wonderful, by the way, to see quotations from Fred Rogers displayed in yesterday's Pride Parade. So what can we take from today's scripture? It seems trite, but we must live confidently and hopefully as the beloved children of God, trusting that God is speaking to us and through us to gather all people together. As God promised through Jeremiah, we know the proper model for humanity by looking at the righteousness demonstrated by Christ. In him, we find our moral compass. In him, we see more clearly the needs of those who have been excluded and left behind. God's word is found in its activity and purpose to repair what is fractured in our human relationships. This occurs through healing and feeding and building up those who are most vulnerable. Contrary activities violate God's intention for humanity. Who are these vulnerable and excluded ones? Think for a moment about those not being welcomed in America. When I visited my friend Charles West a couple of days ago, 
I was telling him about this sermon and I was talking about this particular part of the sermon. And he quickly responded to me, and mind you, his speech is a bit halting because of his stroke, but he was quick to respond, the migrant children need to be included. And consider how one's identity as a beloved child of God keeps other identities from becoming idolatry. We are always much more than our tribal identities, like Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal, listening to each voice, welcoming every person is a way to listen for God's word. What then must we do to be faithful again to the God of history? We are Americans with particular cultural, religious, social, and sexual identities, but our true family as children of God encompasses all mankind, and God holds us accountable for doing our part to love our neighbors wherever they may be, and to be the healing presence now that Jesus was in the first century. Some people criticize Mr. Rogers for sending the message that every child is special. They believe that being considered special must be earned. Some argued that a whole generation of children had been misled and that these children would make unreasonable demands on society. Those critics are wrong. And they fail to see the liberating power of recognizing and believing in what God has called into being, your unique individual self and that of every other person. Believing in God's acceptance and love equips a person to withstand hardship, to nurture hope, and love others with the same love we receive from God. The challenge I would give to each of us for this week it's to look at the persons around us in our own families and in our church families, infants, children, and adults, and recognize what is special about each of those persons. It is our task and the task of the church to celebrate what is special in each and every person. Then we are part of gathering together God's worldwide flock. That is what it means to be the redeemed people of God. And that is precisely who we are. Amen.